Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. What a, what a day, man. Isn't it awesome being a part of baptisms, man? Like, just, there's, nothing, there's nothing better than it, watching people step into the fullness of Christ and be obedient and just family members here, knowing where people have come from. And, man, it's just it's good to be here today. If you're a guest in our house, uh, we, we're, we feel honored to have you. We don't, we don't call you a visitor. Uh, you've heard this before if you've been here, but visitors are unwanted, <laughs> unexpected people. So you know what a visitor is. You look at your ring, you say, nah, I don't want to talk to them. And so a guest is somebody that you have the door unlocked, you're planning for. And uh, we like to say at this church, we exist for those that are not yet here. It's a mentality thing. And uh, we want to be a church that remembers that there's a lot of people outside of our four, four walls that need to know Jesus. And when they end up in here with us, uh, we want to do the best job that we can of telling them and showing them about a God that loves them and wants to do something miraculous in and through their life. Amen? Amen. And so if you're here today, you've never been to church before, you've never heard a sermon before, you don't really know what's going on, uh, I'm going to make this as simple as I possibly can, not because I think you're, you're dumb, uh, but because I want you to take something away from this moment. I believe the Lord wants to speak to us today, uh, and all of us can be can be impacted by the Word of God, whether we believe in Jesus or, or, or not. And so today I want to talk to you uh, about uh, being grateful. I think, it's, I think it's a really important topic, one that we don't talk about enough, one that uh, we often wait till Thanksgiving, right? Like Thanksgiving comes around, you're like, ah, I should be grateful. Christmas, generous, right? Talk, talk about birth. Easter, talk about the death of Christ. You know, Valentine's Day, what are we going to talk about? Love for you, brokenhearted maybe, whatever. And so, uh, but like something like that, right? Like, so we often wait until Thanksgiving, like we should talk about thank being thankful. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, I think being grateful can literally change your life. Like a lot of you, I, I would say, are covered in, in negativity. Now I got three boys uh, and, and clothes in my house are optional, right? Like always have been, right? As they get older, they put clothes on, thank God. But like my youngest one, he's seven years old. A great day for him involves shorts, no underwear, no shirt, uh, and video games. That's what he wants to do. Like, he'll ask us every day, what are we doing? If we say nothing, you know, we don't let him play video games all the time. But if we would, he would literally go down to the couch 7 o'clock in the morning, get his switch, and he would play video games from then until he went to bed at nighttime. That sounds like heaven to him. One of the things he does, though, now, because he doesn't wear clothes ever, is he's cold, right? So logic would tell you to put on clothes, right? Like, underwear, shorts, pants, shirt, right? Brush your teeth, stuff like that. And so here's what he does. He gets out of bed and he finds a blanket. He has a very special blanket that he has. It's not a blankie, he will tell you, but it's a blanket. And he wraps it around him before he comes downstairs. So he has shorts on, no underwear, no shirt, wraps it around him, and he finds his spot on the couch. Wherever he goes, he carries that blanket around with him. So for instance, when he goes and gets breakfast at the table, uh, he'll put the chair, the, the chair, put the blanket around the chair, he sits in the chair, and then he wraps himself in the blanket. Then when he's done, he takes, the takes this. This is why stuff always gets spilled in my house, by the way. He uses one hand with his milk because he doesn't drink it because that's nasty, right? And so, and he carries it over and he puts it in the thing, but he's holding the blanket. So he's shaking it all over the place. Always has the blanket on him. Goes to the bathroom with the blanket on sometimes. 
He'll be outside sometimes walking around like Moses, right, with the blanket on, like a king. And I'm like, dude, leave the blanket in the house. It's 100. It's the, it, literally, he is covered. He is shrouded. He is, you know, blanketed by the blanket. And some of you are blanketed by negativity. Everywhere you go, everything you see, it's negative. In fact, studies suggest that news, news outlets know this. This is why for every one positive story that you hear, you hear 17 negative stories. They, they know that we are hardwired to almost enjoy negativity. They're not quite sure, but we like negative things. We, we run on negativity, but I think becoming grateful can literally change your life. I'll, I'll ask you this question. Is it easier for you to see negative things than it is for you to see positive things? In your life, does it come more natural for you to see negative things, right? And I would, I would answer, y- yes, it does for me. We, we are not a grateful people by nature. My same kids in a blanket all day long doing absolutely nothing to contribute to the existence of the world. Nothing. We'll come home from work. We'll make dinner, right? We'll set the table. We have him come out and help here and there, right? He'll have his blanket on. We'll put something in front of his face that he didn't pay for, that he didn't cook, that he didn't have to work for. And what sometimes is his reaction to that healthy food that we put in front of his face? Ew. We don't do ill in my house. You say ill, you don't eat, right? Ew, right? So ungrateful. You, school's starting. How many of you can get an A? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Take them back. Somebody said their kids are starting tomorrow. I, I said, where? I'll move, right? Like, <laughs> I'll move. And so my kids start in a week. They're going to go to school. Sometimes my kids have the audacity to complain and be negative about school. To which I remind them, it costs me $25 an hour to hire a babysitter to watch you, right? Literally, I'll have to take out of Oregon to pay for a babysitter. So I know how much taxes that I pay. And it's not that I don't complain about taxes because we complain about everything. But I'm pretty sure that the, that the amount of taxes that I'm paying does not equal to the amount of hours that those teachers have to put up with you at that school. Eight hours a day, five days a week for I don't know how many, many weeks. Don't you ever complain about school, right? You're not grateful. They do this with sports sometimes. We, we work all day. We take them to a sport. They have the audacity to complain. Oh, I'm hot. I don't want to go to the sport. They walk off and they don't say thank you to the coaches that are volunteers. We, we are more negative. It comes more natural. In fact, being grateful is almost supernatural. Nothing, I would argue this till I'm, till I'm blue. Nothing makes you look more like Jesus than living your life with a grateful heart. And nothing as a Christian, if you follow Christ, makes you look less like Jesus than being filled with negativity, than complaining. In fact, I would would challenge you, go home in your Bible and find one time in Scripture where Jesus did it. Find one time where he complained about the weather. Find one time where he complained about the slow driver and the camel in front of him. Find one time where he complained in his life. It never happened. Why? Because complaining is a complete waste of time. So I'm going to teach you today the power of being a grateful person. Here's what I know. A grateful heart is a magnet for the miracles of God. A grateful heart is a magnet. I read this this week. Gratitude unlocks the fullness of life. I think this is so good. It turns what we have into enough and more. It turns denial into acceptance, chaos into order and confusion to clarity. It can turn a meal into a feast, a house into a home, and a stranger into a friend. I want to drop you into a story. I want you to find yourself in the story. I want you to see where you would land. I want you to be honest, right? This is church. You can't lie in church, right? 
Somebody left an umbrella. They carried an umbrella in at first service, and they put it down. And I said, you sure you want to leave it there? Somebody might steal it. He said, it's church. I said, you don't know our church, right? But he let, like, so it's church. Let's just be honest. Like, this is one place where let's just, let's just be honest. I want you to find yourself in this story, your typical life. Do you complain? Do you find the negative? Are, are you constantly critical? Are, are, are you thankful? Do you wake up and look at your husband and wife and go, I love you every day. I'm so thankful. Do you look at your kids? I'm thankful for you. Did you are you breathing right now? At some point today, did you remind yourself that God has put breath in my lungs and beats in my chest and my heart? I have something to be grateful for. Or are you constantly negative? Find yourself in this story. Luke chapter 17 says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. That's important if you've been to church. You know, we've been dealing with, with the number 10. So, so he sees 10 men with leprosy. Let me just paint the picture for you for just a second of their life. If there was ever anybody that had the right to complain and be negative, it was guys with leprosy. Like, when you got leprosy, your life instantly changed. Like, it was, it was a real fear in that day and age. Like, we, we know about fears. we living through a pandemic. Like, there's real things that we're really afraid of. In that day and age, there was no cure for this awful disease called leprosy. You could be living your life and wake up one day and not remember, did I scrape my knee yesterday or is this the first sign of the deadly disease of leprosy? Is this a lesion on my skin? Is this the beginning of a deadly process? And here's what would happen if it was leprosy. Immediately, you'd be separated from your family because if you had leprosy, you were extremely contagious. So immediately, you would be isolated. You were never allowed to be near your family again as long as you had leprosy, which by the way, there was no cure. You weren't allowed to go to church because you were unclean. You weren't allowed to be near God because you were unclean. All the Christians, all the church people at that time would assume that you were cursed by God because he gave you leprosy. The only people you could hang out with were other lepers. That's why they're together, 10 lepers. They would form little cliques, gangs, communities where they would hang out together. They would suffer together. They would be in situations where body parts would literally fall off of each other. Yo, Bob, your nose is on the ground over here. They would wrap themselves up so that they could hide their sickness, and everywhere they went, guess what they would yell? Unclean, unclean, uh, unclean. Like we are, we can't be around you, we're unclean. They would, they would lose everything. I mean, I, I thought of thinking about, for me, I'm a, I'm a husband and I have three kids. I would instantly go from having these kids and this, this, this wife, and, and then instantly I'd be separated from them forever. Never being able to get close, watching them from a distance, looking at their life through postcards, right? waving at them, but never being able to touch them, never being able to hug or kiss my wife again, never being able to shake anybody's hand or get close enough to even have a conversation with them. Everywhere I go, I would yell, unclean. This was their life. So they hear that Jesus is coming, and here's what happens. It's so interesting. He says that they stood at a distance, and they called in a loud voice together. They had rehearsed this. Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he sees them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. This is what, they, this is what they were, he was saying to them. If you did ever get cured of leprosy, before you were cleared to go back into society, you had to first go to the priest to make sure your leprosy was gone. So he says, go, 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 get, go to the priest. You're healed. So they start running to the priest, the Bible says. When one of them, when he sees that he's healed, he comes back. Can you imagine this? They're running. Their spots are falling off. They're picking up their nose. They're putting it staying on, right? They're unwrapping their cloth. They're realizing their lesions are cleared up and they're healed. And one of them turns and goes, oh my gosh, I'm healed. And he runs back. 
Watch what the other nine did. The Bible says that when he gets to Jesus, he throws himself at his feet and thanks him. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one else returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. My question is, which one are you? I'd like to say I'm the, I'm the one. I'd like to say that I wake up every day and I look in the mirror and the first thing I do is thank God that I can see still. Thank God that I have some of my teeth still. Thank God that I, got, I can do my hair. Thank God that I hear kids fighting in the background. Thank God that I don't have hot water because my other family members use it all. Thank God that that happened. And thank God that our bathroom is, is there, but it's kind of small. And so we both are kind of moving around. And thank God that I have a wife to bump into. Can I get a, a man like... Thank God for my bed that I slept in, and thank God am I coming open up there is my car, right? And thank God for the food, open up the refrigerator, there's food in there, and thank God for church, and thank God for life and grace and salvation, and thank God, thank God, thank God. But I don't wake up like that most days. Who used all the hot water? Stop fighting, I swear I brought you into this world, and I will take you out of this world. Get out of my way, wife can't even park my car in my garage because there's so much crap in here and who ate all of the cereal my cereal and don't even get me started on church it's raining right cover myself in negativity something changes when you're a grateful person see the difference between the one and the nine is the nine didn't make time for gratitude. If you don't make time for gratitude, you'll take things for granted. And I just want to teach you something about taking things for granted. What you have in your life that you take for granted, you will always end up losing. Take it to the bank. You take your spouse for granted, you'll be apath apathetic towards them. What was once hot, what was once committed, what was once somebody that you loved, you'll take for granted. Eventually, you'll be apathetic, and eventually, you'll lose it. Same thing happens with kids. Same thing happens with jobs. Same thing happens with health. Every area of our life, walk with Christ. What you treat as normal, you eventually take for granted. You'll always end up losing. So let me give you some things, some thoughts on how you take time for gratitude. Real quick, number one is this, is remind yourself that every good thing comes from God. Every good thing that you have in your life, remind yourself that it comes from God. There's two ways to live. You can live as if nothing is from God and you did all the work, or you can live under the concept that every good thing in your life has come down from heaven. They, they talk about it in scripture in Romans 1. Paul says, it says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, the eternal power, the divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. In other words, what he's saying is you know there's a God just by living on this earth. You, you can see his attributes. He's, he says, for all they, although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, what he's saying is a lot of times, instead of, instead of giving praise to God for all the good things we do, we live entitled, selfish lives. We're Americans. I mean, I'm reminded how little I have to complain about in the country that I live in as I see babies being passed over barbed wire. I'm reminded. Like, there's, there is things to complain about. I get it. 
But I'm reminded, like, we, we've, we've made it PG. We'll say stuff like, we have first world problems. That's like the, that's like the, 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 the way people say stuff, but they don't want to offend anybody, right? Generation in the past would have said, we need a spanking because we're entitled. Like, we, we are, we're entitled. Like, there's things that we look at, we say, we deserve this. Instead of going, man, I'm blessed I'm blessed to have this. He says there's people, they, they grow up in this world and they look at their life and they're just entitled. He said there's another way to live. You see it in James chapter one. He says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like the shifting shadows. In other words, you begin to understand how much God gives. Like think through scripture how giving God was. When God called Noah to build an ark, he provided the plans and the wood. When God brought the Israelites out of, out of Egypt, he provided bread from heaven and fire by night. When God called David to go kill Goliath, he gave him the stone. When God called Jonah to go to the Ninevites and he disobeyed God, God sent a fish to save him and bring him back to dry land so he could complete what God had asked him to do. God gave Mary the faith to say yes to, being, to giving birth to Jesus Christ. He, he gave a star to the wise men so they could find Jesus. He gives us the Holy Spirit to comfort and convict us and guide us and counsel us. He gives us his word to direct us. For many of us, he's blessed us with health, even though we don't eat as healthy as we should. He gives us friends to love us, and he gives us a life full of purpose. God is a giving God. He's completely good, constantly good, unchanging good. He's a, he's a good God. You can start to live your life as if everything in your life is a blessing, is a blessing from above. I'm going I'm to make sure I remember every good thing comes from God. Number two is this, is I'm never going to allow in my life what I want to rob me of what I currently have. This is important. Here's why. I'm a big advocate for self-improvement. In fact, I think Jesus, Jesus changes you. I think he constantly is changing you. I think the spirit is constantly challenging you. I think that we are, we are not a finished product ever. I can't, are, are, am I right? Like if you're a Christian, you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, but I'm not going to settle in who I am right now. So I am constantly wanting to improve. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to listen to a leader. I'm going to invest in, in myself. I get all of that and I'm a big advocate of that. But in our culture, we can be so obsessed with what we're going after that we're not even thankful for what we currently have. We don't even see all of the blessings that we currently have. We want a better car, a better house, a better spouse. We want to go on a better vacation. We want better clothes. We want a better granite countertop that we can get. We, we want better everything. We want better food. We want better everything at the expense of not being grateful for what we have. You see, I believe if you're thankful for what you have, you always end up having more. But when you concentrate on what you don't have, you never have enough. When you're thankful for what you have, it has a way of, bringing more into your life. But when you concentrate on all the things that you don't have, it's never enough. In fact, Solomon says this. And just so you know, Solomon is an Old Testament king. The Bible calls him the wisest man that ever lived. He had, he had so much money, best palace. He had more wives and concubines than you, than you could imagine. Like he, he, he did everything on this side of eternity that anybody successful since him has done. Like he, he was that type of guy. In response to all the life that he lived, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a, is a book written by an old man to young people, right? To, to, to people like maybe, maybe the 25-year-olds in this room, kind of warning them, saying, I did everything that you, you're running after. I just need you to know there's a better way. And he says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 6. He says, better what the eye sees than the roving of the appetite. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. 
In other words, what he says is it's better to focus your attention, your gratefulness, your gratitude on what you see than constantly filling the appetite for more out, out there. And so I am never going to allow, and you should never allow, what, what you want to rob you of what you, of what you have. And let's just be honest. There's things we all want. I want a clean house. I want a clean house. I got three little kids. Sometimes I wonder if they would literally be wild animals if I wasn't around. Like I went down to my basement a few weeks ago. I don't go down to the basement because like, it's unfinished. There's spiders down there, Ugh, right? And so, but I put the video games down there, right? And I put a TV down there and I put an old couch and an old chair down there. I don't go down there a lot, but the other week I brought him a, a new TV. The other one was kind of broken. And so I was like, I'll put this new TV down, surprise him. And I came walking around. We have a walkout basement door and I walked down there and literally it looked like a pack of wolves had broken into my house. One of the chairs was tore up. One of the other chairs was broken. The controllers are everywhere. There's food wrappers everywhere. There's food everywhere. There's a family of mice that are dressed in my kids' clothes they left down there. I caught them down. I'm like, and I, I just, in that moment, I just, I just lost it. I just, I'm like, you, this is gross. Like, I want a clean house. I want a clean house. I want a clean house. And that's what I want. But if I'm not careful, I can allow what I want a clean house to ruin what I have, which is three healthy young boys growing up in my house. I can be so obsessed with the clean house that I miss the blessing of the dirty house. I can be so obsessed with the white walls that I miss the blessing of the dirt zebra stripes on the wall. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? My white comforter, my third white comforter in a year on my bed. It's like a target for dirt, right? And you can be so obsessed. So I, I found in, in, my, in my life that sometimes the best way to realize what you have is to go around people that don't have what you have and realize how blessed that you are. Like if you don't, if you're complaining about your stuff, go somewhere where they don't have a lot of stuff and all of a sudden you'll be thankful for your stuff. If you're complaining about your spouse all the time, go find somebody that's mourning the loss of their spouse and all of a sudden you'll be thankful for that annoying spouse that you have. If you're struggling with your job, find somebody who can't find one. If you struggle with your home, go walk in the streets past somebody that's homeless and all of a sudden you'll be thankful for the things that you have. If you're struggling with your kids, go talk to somebody who has a kid laid up in a hospital somewhere that's struggling with cancer and all of a sudden you'll be thankful that they have the energy to make the mess that they're making. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, celebrate and thank God for what you do have. Let me just give you two more thoughts. Number three, turn every blessing, Laura, you can complain me out, turn every blessing you have into praise. Turn every blessing you have into praise. So here, here, here's what we, we do a lot. Because of the culture that we live in, we take the good things that God has done in our lives and we turn them into pride. Pride is the attention on us. Look what I've done. Look what I have. Look at my car. Look at my spouse. Look at my kids. Look at the good things that I have done in my life. And pride is the end of God being able to use your life. In fact, it says it in scripture. It says pride comes, and then it says, and then the fall. Like I've seen it in my own life. You, 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 get, you get a little too big in the britches, God will bring you down a few sizes. That, that's the way that it works because he can't use you when you're prideful. And so here, here's the antidote to pride, which is a focus on what God has done in your life as if you've done it, right? Praise is pointing the, the affection and attention away from yourself back onto the one that gave it to you. That's why we call, by the way, the beginning of, beginning of church, we don't call it the opening act, right? We don't say it's a rock band. It's, not, it's none of that. We don't say it's entertainment. 
We, we, we don't say it's the warm-up. We don't say you have three songs to get in here, so come into the third one. You know the racket. Get your coffee. Right? Church people are ridiculous. And so, right? It, it's praise and worship. It's affection and attention to the one who's given you more than you could ever deserve. You lift your hands. Some of you are like, why do people lift their hands? Because that's the natural position of affection. Right? You go, Eagles are going to play. They're not going to lose 35 nothing in their first game. It's not going to happen. I've heard from the Lord. We're just hiding what we have right now, right? And when they score, you might be in your house or you might be one of the 75,000 fans in the stadium. What are you going to do? Woo! Somebody does it in church. You're like, dude, this dude is weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, the dude at the stadium is wearing the dude, the name of a jersey of somebody else, some other dude on his back that he paid $75 for and he's telling everybody it's authentic, right? One of them signed it themselves, right? And they got their hands held high and they're celebrating a ball filled with air, pigskin, going into an end zone, right? But when we come into this place, and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that saved me from death and hell and raised me to new life. You think it's weird for me to get loud about worship? My hands are going to go in the air every time. I'm going to fist pound. Listen, if, if six people from Jersey can make millions of dollars off of fist pounding, I'm going to fist pound away. from. I'm going to get after worship. I'm going to turn everything that I have into praise. That's what it says in scripture in Psalm 63. It says, I praise you as long as I live in your name. What does he say? Everybody tell me, I'll do what? I'll lift up my hands. It's the natural position of affection. I'm going to turn every bless, every moment in my life, I'm going to turn it back into praise. When I get in the car that God has given me the ability to afford with the job that I have, with the legs that I use and the eyes that he's blessed me with and the hands and all of the talent that he's given me, I'm going to thank him for the ability to drive that car. When I go to work, I'm going to thank him for the ability to do the job with the brain that he's blessed me with. When I stand with my spouse, I'm going to thank him for crossing our path somehow. I'm from Oklahoma or she's from Oklahoma. I'm from Pennsylvania and he crossed our path and did what he did in our life. I'm going to thank him for I'm going to turn every blessing that I have back into praise if not it turns into pride here's a great practice for you this week so the next time that you begin to complain about something in your life by the way oftentimes you'll be complaining about something that somebody else is currently praying for you'll be complaining about a kid and I can tell you as a matter of fact there's couples in this church that are begging God for one one You're complaining about going to work, and I can tell you right now, there's people in our church that are laid up in a hospital that are going through some stuff that just wish they could get up for a normal Monday and go to work. You're complaining about your spouse, and I know people that right now are mourning the loss of their spouse. So instead, I want you to picture that thing you like to complain about. Maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's your kid, maybe it's your work, maybe whatever it is. And I want you to pretend, let's just say for for me, it would be be kids, right? Uh, And let's just pretend that uh, I have them and then I lose them. I have these kids are around and then all of a sudden they're gone. Right? They're just gone. Like you lost them. You're in a store. You lost them. But but they went and they hid in the clothes. You know how some evil kids do that? <laughs> and so you're freaking out because you lost them. You don't know where they're at. You're starting to call. People are looking at you. And then out steps one of them. They're laughing. They're in, you know, <laughs> I pulled a trick on you. And you run up to them, and the first thing you do is you say, when I get you to the car, boy. <laughs> you don't say it loud. You don't let them call somebody, but then you hug them. 
I love you so much. Don't ever do that to me again. Don't ever leave me. You can get whatever you want. I love you. Make as much noise as you want to make. Do as many fights as you want to do in the back of the car. Just don't ever leave me again. That's how you would act, right? And all of a sudden, it changed you. Same thing with your spouse. Pretend that you have them, taking them for granted. You lose them. They're in the hospital. The doctor says they're going to die, and somehow they come back to life, and they're up, and you hug them for the very first time. You're like, don't ever do this. Don't ever die. Don't ever leave me. And all of a sudden, the things that you're taking for granted, the things that you don't care about, things you're complaining about, all of a sudden, you are grateful for them. You're grateful for them. Turn every blessing you have back into praise. Let me just give you one more thought, because I know that not everybody's life is perfect in this place. I know there's situations sometimes you go through that are difficult. And it's really hard to praise God in, in those moments. Like it's hard, to, it's hard to praise, it's hard to know what's going on. So what do you do in those moments that, that's overwhelming? How do you show gratitude in those moments? Well, let me just give you one more thought. Number four, take every burden you have to God in prayer. The opposite of, the opposite of gratitude is complaining. The opposite of gratitude is complaining. Complaining is an assault on the goodness of God in your life. That's what it is. It's an assault on the goodness. God is good. God has figured the plan out from beginning to end. God makes a way where there seems to be no way. God brings everything you need to accomplish, everything you're called to accomplish. It says all that in scripture. Complaining is an assault on the goodness of God. And so here's what you do if you're, if you're a believer and you're going through something that you don't fully understand and you're about to complain and you're about to air it out and you know you're about to let it go and you know there's no benefit to it, you're gonna take every burden that you're going through to God in prayer. That is also a sign of gratitude. You know why? Because prayer is confirmation to your heavenly father that you trust him, that you know he's in control, and that you know he has it already figured out. I'm going to praise him in the good things, and in the difficult moments, I'm not going to complain. I'm just going to take it to God in prayer. God, I don't know how you're going to figure this out, but I know you will. I don't know how you're going to make a way this time. You've done it before. You're going to do it again. God, I'm just going to trust you. In fact, that's what scripture says. I talk to young people all the time, like trying to figure out what the will of God is for my life. Trying to feel like, figure out the will of God. I know what they mean, like trying to figure out what God wants to do with my life. But I'm going to show you as a Christian what the will of God is. You ready for it? First Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always. Not sometimes. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks to God in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances. That's, 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 diff- that's difficult. In all circumstances. You're going to go through some stuff that it's hard, but you're going to give thanks in all circumstances. Watch what it says. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the will of God. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Some of you, you're covered in negativity. You're covered. In, I, I get it. You've been through some stuff, pain, bitterness, anger, anxiety, fear. You're covered in it. The Bible says that that Jesus wants to clothe you in righteousness. And strip off that, that old cloth, the grave cloths, the shroud of depression and negativity. He wants to fill you with joy, fill you with peace. He wants to release you from the prison of anxiety and fear. He wants to give you a new lease on life. That's what we celebrated here today. Maybe you've been to church for like, why do you always dunk him in water? Messing up their hair, coming out, looking, looking a mess, right? Why, it represents what, what happened in Christ. You're put in the water in Christ and you're, you die to your sins. You're, you're, going, you're, you're joining yourself with the death of Jesus Christ. But Jesus didn't stay in the tomb and after the third day. What does the Bible say? He rose in power. And so when you come up out of that water, that's why we don't gingerly pull you up. Some of you are like, I got whiplash in the tank. Because we're trying to represent when Jesus came back, he came back with a vengeance. Amen. 
He didn't stay down. He came back up after three days. Satan tried to defeat him. And the Bible says that wasn't the end of his story. And there was a lot of people in that tank that it felt like they were buried in sin. But in Christ, they become a brand new person. They're alive in Christ. They're clothed in righteousness. They have joy, unspeakable joy, and a peace that surpasses all understanding. And a new lease, a new way to look at life. A life filled with purpose. And some of you, some of you today, that's about to happen for you. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Some of you know what I'm talking about. I I can tell you right now, I'm a people watcher. Sometimes I think people probably think I'm weird. Because I'll just stare. Sometimes I have my mouth open because I can't believe sometimes what I'm looking at. And I'm I'm just an observer of people because that's what I do with my life. I love people. I love watching Jesus change people. Sometimes I look at people and my heart is, is broken for them. Because you can almost feel, you can feel the weight in people's, li- in people's lives. You can see it in their eyes. You can feel it in their demeanor. You can feel how the, the earth has taken their confidence. You can feel their anger, their bitterness. You can, you can feel them literally clothed in negativity. You see it if you spend time with people in addiction sometimes. Because you know that the, the actual thing they're taking and they're putting in their body is not the problem. The problem is much deeper than that problem is something that a wound that they experienced the word that was said over their life a moment somebody abandoned them and literally it's impacted their entire life I I I don't want to make light of it but you remember that old book Winnie the Pooh remember the character Eeyore no matter what happened in his life whatever the weather, weather was no matter what was going on he was just always he always was in a bad mood some of you have spiritual Eeyore mentality you just, you just, everything is just bad. It's never going to get better. It's literally like a prison. The Bible says Jesus came to set the captives free. He came, he came to heal those that were hurt. He, he came to give hope to the hopeless. When Jesus comes, the Bible says that he'll give you life and life to the full. And it'll fill you up with peace and joy. And it'll fill you with hope. That'll give you a reason to live on this planet. Can, can, I just, can I just talk to you with your head bowed and your eye closed? And can I just convey something to you that maybe you need to hear? You're not an accident. You're not an accident. No matter what's been said to you, no matter what's been done to you, no matter how unseen you feel. The Bible says before the foundations of the world that the, your God, your heavenly father, that his eyes were on you. That he forms you in your mother's womb. That he made you with a purpose. That he has a plan for your life. That he wants to work in you and through you. That he wants to heal you. That he wants to set you free. That's my Jesus. Jesus is filled with grace and mercy. And and he's here right now. He's here right now. It's unmistakable. It's the promise of scripture where you lift up the name of Jesus. That he'll draw men and women to himself so he's here I want to ask you a question before we close some of you you never even been in church before but something's happening right now like it's you don't even understand it it's the spirit of God in fact somebody would say it's it's feel like you're talking to me the whole time did you know I was coming yeah we actually got an email about you this week we know I'm just joking no we don't know you but here's the thing but there's a God that does he knew the exact seat you were going to sit in, the Sunday you were going to come, the experience that you would come to. Like, he knew, he knows you. Oh, my goodness, he loves you. He 
wants to save you and he wants to set you free. So I'm gonna ask you in a second, man, if, if you, you literally, you feel clothed, covered in pain and negativity, but you're ready to walk in freedom. You're ready to walk in hope. You're ready to walk in forgiveness and grace and mercy. You find that at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. You've experienced life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, for anyone who calls on his name, anyone, any situation, any background, any baggage, any mistake, any amount of shame, no matter where you come from, if your heart is still beating, Jesus can still save you. And he's here right now. And I can tell you right now, it takes one yes for everything to change about your life. So I'm going to ask you a question. No, nobody's looking around, every head's bowed and every eye closed. We're going to leave in a second. But if you're tired of life, you're tired of living the way that you're living, you're weary, man, you feel broken, you feel lost, you feel hurt, you're struggling with addiction, you're struggling with anger, all you see is negativity all, all, all around you, but you're tired and weary and you're ready to come to Christ. If that's you, when I ask you in a second, if you're ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, when I ask you that question, if I'm talking to you, I don't even want you to think about it because he's already talking to you. I don't want you to worry about the people to your right or left. If it's you, when I ask you in a second, I just want you to shoot your hand straight towards heaven. Nobody's going to look around. Nobody's going to call you forward. We're going to pray together. Listen, some of you are like, I don't even know how to pray. I don't know, even know what to say. Listen, prayer is not about a religious performance of big words. Prayer is about the posture of your heart. The Bible says, if you would humble yourself before me, I'll lift you up. I can't do it on my own anymore. Jesus, come into my life. Come into my life. Set me free. Forgive me. Come on, if that's you, front to back, side to side, your life is covered in negativity and pain, but you're ready to walk in freedom, hope, and mercy all over this place. Would you just begin to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and say, hey, you're speaking to me right now. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? Hand over here. Hand in Montgomeryville. Yeah. Another hand. Yeah. Few more hands going up. Does anybody else say, hey, Pastor Ashton, I missed that first one. I missed that first one, but I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. As, you're, as we're, we're going to pray in a second, some of you are like, wow, what are they clapping? What, what are they doing? This, this church, all they do is clap. Well, the Bible paints this picture. It's beautiful. It says when one person, so that's you, when one person turns their life back towards Jesus, when they give their life to Jesus Christ, check this out. Picture this in your head. All of heaven stops to celebrate. What a, what a moment. All of heaven. At all of heaven right now. You think it's impressive at the link? All of heaven, the millions and millions of people that have preceded us, that have gone before us in their faith in Christ, have stopped to rejoice because you, a son or daughter of the Most High, have turned your life to Him. So we're going to pray. And all you're going to say in this moment is, Jesus, I just want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I just want you to come into my life. I don't want to do life on my own anymore. And the Spirit of God is going to fill you up. Joy's coming. Peace is coming. Forgiveness is coming. Most importantly, love that never leaves us nor forsakes us. Come on, church, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your time and your word. Most importantly, we thank you for your presence. Lord, we can proclaim all this truth, but without your presence showing up, Lord, no fruit happens. So you're here right now in a real way. 
and you've drawn men and women to yourself and you're saving people right now. You're filling them up with joy and peace and love and mercy and grace, Lord, and everything about them is changing. There's somebody in this place that, man, they have felt broken for years, but Lord, you're putting them back together. You're the God that restores and redeems, Lord, and so we're thankful for that right now. We're thankful for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. Lord, we love you. And Lord, we take a moment to thank you, Lord. We're talking about gratitude. Lord, the most, the most important element of our life that we have to celebrate is your cross, your death, your burial, and your resurrection, your grace, your mercy. Lord, if, if that's all you've ever done for us, if all you've done is saved us, you've already done more than we deserve. And so, Lord, we leave this play, place praising you, giving you the highest praise that we can give, lifting our hands towards heaven, and thank you for saving us and setting us free. And let that understanding, let it ignite something in our hearts, Lord, as we leave this place. We want to be the church. We want to live on mission for you. Lord, we're called to be a sent people, Lord, and we want to go do what you've called us to do and accomplish what you've called us to accomplish. Jesus, we love you. In your name we pray. One more time, Journey Church, let's shout amen really loudly. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.